the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. All starting to come together. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing in more. November is over. We can get rid of that ridiculous Movember thing that people talk about. A mustache in November, I don't quite understand. But November is in the books. The stock market's not a total disaster anymore. October, November, we're up months, two in a row. Again, Wall Street looks six months in advance. In my opinion, tough to prove that, but it's a discounting mechanism. Basically saying six months from now, what happened in October and November. So I say November, December, January, February, March, April. So in April and May, things should start looking better. The Fed will be done raising interest rates. They'll be stabilized. I don't know. Maybe maybe the Wall Street knows. It's telling you something. Yesterday's rally was fueled by Jay Powell, Jerome Powell. He made it clear that he's willing to start slowing down rate hikes as soon as the next Fed meeting. Big news yesterday. If you have anyone in your family with Alzheimer's or a history of it, Biogen showed us that there's news that an experimental new drug slowed cognitive decline. I think that sounds like lovely news. I know there's some risks tied towards it, and that's as far as I go with knowledge. That's a pretty big blockbuster drug. Both my grandmother and my mother had Alzheimer's. Um, one of my best friend's mothers has Alzheimer's, so it's it's not uncommon, right? With potentially economically devastating nationwide rail strike looming in early December, the United States House passed a resolution that would force all workers unions to accept a tentative agreement with management and make any strikes legal. 290 to 137. That resolution came just a day after President Biden urged congressional leaders to avert a strike. Um, A lot of stuff comes to us on rail. There's three or four rail stocks that you can take a look at, like Norfolk Southern and CSX. And take a look at the 10-year, 20-year, 30-year. Train companies aren't sexy. They're not changing their business model. They're not train 2.0. But the nice thing about trains as a transportation theory, everything in the room that I'm locked in right now, everything in the room that you're in or the car that you're in, probably at some point in time, the parts, the components, the, the finished product came to you by a train or truck. So there's something called the transports um, play on Wall Street. The Dow Jones transports. It's an index that if you take a look at, it too is something that should start moving up before the economy starts moving up. Um, This one may be a little bit more tied towards actual um, commitments. 
it's called the Dow Jones Transportation Average. Ticker symbol is DJT. DJT. And if you take a look at the DJT in the last two months, it's moved from a reading of 12,058 all the way at 14,572. In no way, shape, or form is this investable advice. But the transports are telling us six months from now things are going to be better. The markets are telling us two months in a row that we either oversold or we're waiting for the next shoe down with earnings. Both are real possibilities. But I'm liking what I'm seeing. In the, weir- in the news of the weirdo and the wacko, Elon Musk showed off updates to his brain chips. Neuralink, he said he's going to be install one himself when they're ready. Musk said the company's applications will aim to restore vision even for people who are born blind. And a third application will focus on motor cortex by restoring full body functionality for people with severed spinal cords. Very cool. Um, I don't know anything about the science here. I'm not even going to pretend. Um, clearly, you're going to see it come public at some point in time. And what they're trying to fix are big problems. In theory, he said he, quote, I'm going to get one myself. You could have a Neuralink device implanted right now, and you wouldn't even know. I mean, hypothetically, in one of these demos, in fact, in one of these demos, I will. Okay. Neuralink is a company. It doesn't have to answer to shareholders right now because it's private. Um, he doesn't know how much oversight is involved, but I think it's very important for the public to always keep in mind that before anything has been approved by the FDA, any government regulatory body, all claims need to be very, very skeptically examined. I think people were believing a little bit too much in Theranos. Um, it's worthy of note, just so it doesn't look like I'm being a little bit too clean on this topic is that Neuralink has come under a lot of fire for alleged treatment of its monkeys. Um, and I don't know what to say. That's not my area to pass judgment on. Epop- epilepsy, Parkinson's, obsessive compulsive disorder. People have already received brain implants and disorders have been treated quite successfully, allowing them to have an improved quality of life. So it's not as much science fiction as we think, but it is kind of science fiction right? Someone who's born blind, being able to see. Someone who's had a severed spinal cord, being able to walk. It's pretty cool. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Stocks have opened higher to start December. Some background noise that we have to pay attention to is Russian oil sanctions are about to kick in. That could be disruptive. The key inflation measure that the Fed follows rose two-tenths of a percent in October, less than expected. The core personal consumption expenditures. Year over year, it's up 5%, but in October, it was up just two-tenths of 1%. Personal income jumped seven-tenths of a percent, well ahead of the expectations of four-tenths. Weekly jobless claims came in at 225,000, a decline of 16,000. A good number, maybe too good of a number. Elsewhere in the world of stocks and investments. Um, I got the strike out of the way. Sam Bankman Freed. If you haven't seen this interview, I highly recommend you go find it. You can probably find most of it on Google, on YouTube. Um, 
he was interviewing, he was being interviewed by the New York Times, the former FTX CEO denied that he ever tried to commit fraud. He blamed his crypto exchanges epic collapse on a lax risk management that spiraled out of control. He also acknowledged that he's taking talking to the press despite the wishes of his lawyers, since anything he says will be used by the army of investigators looking into whether any crimes were committed. I was listening to the interview yesterday and I was like, dude, dude, stop talking. It was one of those train wreck interviews you'll ever see. Um, you, you remember that moment when OJ Simpson said something along the lines of, you know, one minute. If I had killed her, this is how I would have done it. And you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Um, That's terrible. I, I know. Big story out of San Francisco yesterday. I thought this was funny to see it on um, the late night talk shows. San Francisco police get the green light for deadly robots. This sounds like it's going to end badly. Deadly robots can be used. Deadly robots can be used as a last resort measure when lives are in danger and all other options like de-escalation tactics and alternative force have been exhausted. And basically, it's going to be a little drone, not drone, maybe a drone down the road. Um, but it may have like a bomb so it can open a door. Like, I don't know. One minute. Or- it can help disorient violent armed or dangerous suspects. Again, this feels like SFPD's getting into early ground. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archive podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. Salesforce employees were blindsided by Brett Taylor's departure yesterday. Mark Benioff says he wants to get him back. That's a weird one. That doesn't sound like they're on the same page. Salesforce.com does a lot of cloud application hosting. They're helping corporations get more and more efficient with their data and their information, rolling out very expensive rollouts in a cheaper kind of fashion without you buying the hardware, they buy it for you. In the earnings call on Wednesday, Taylor said he wants to return to his entrepreneurial roots. The sudden announcement left many at the company feeling blindsided because he was appointed co-CEO last November. So this is just a weird one where, again, I'm not, I wish I could be a fly on the ball, but I'm not. But when Benioff said, we have to let him go, we have to let him be free, we have to let him go, and I understand, but I don't like it, we're going to try to get you back somehow. Um, that feels weird. It seems like they could have negotiated something before he left. Amazon's Alexa is just a glorified clock radio. That's what people are starting to figure out. The whole units on the chopping block, potentially Amazon thought Alexa would be the next iPhone, but no one's figured out how to make them profitable. So I thought that was a really funny line. Amazon's Alexa was Jeff Bezos' pet project. Now it's target for the cost cutting. It's on track, the Alexa division, to lose $10 billion this year. Voice assistants were supposed to be revolutionary. But we we can't figure out how to make them profitable. And you can say, hey, Alexa, play the Rob Black show. But that's not exactly profitable unless you get KDOW or Business Radio or somebody to pay for that. Uh, So the team who works on Alexa, 10,000 people, 
passion project was funded a lot by this rising stock price. They didn't care. Amazon Echo debuted in 2014. It was the company's first real success as a hardware manufacturer. I think on this show, we've said, who is the next Steve Jobs? And the closest thing we've kind of seen is Jeff Bezos. But you're not Steve Jobs unless you can be profitable. Amazon's Echo spawned an entirely new class of gadgets, smart speakers. Standalone voice assistant was immediately useful. And by 2018, the company sold more than 100 million Alexa-enabled devices. I'm sure this is going to resonate with many of you. Um, I think we all got one at some point in time, whether it was given to us free or whether we spent $19 or $30 or whatever. And we plugged it in and we used it and we were like, hey, Alexa, buy dish detergent. And we just found it was just as easy to get our computer and do that. Amazon sold the Echo device at cost to induce people to buy things from the site, but the smart speaker never became a significant sales driver. So I think we're about to see the death of Alexa. Alexa has its own app store, hoping to spark the same wild innovation Apple saw when developers were allowed to, into its app store. There are Alexa-powered microwave ovens and TVs. It's even licensed the Alexa technology voice assistant to manufacturers, hoping that it would become ubiquitous. But Benedict Evans, a former Andreessen Horowitz partner, wrote in 2019 that it's essentially a glorified clock radio. Yes, you can have Alexa set a timer, but is that worth billions of dollars of losses? So I stopped using the product after a few weeks. Amazon succeeded in selling a huge number of glorified clock radios, is what Benedict Evans said exactly. So I don't know. I could tell you Siri. <laughs> Um, what can go wrong with Siri, right? Apple knows its smart speaker is a lot, isn't a loss leader. It sold the original home pod for $349 and it's mini pods for $99, but you can get, but you can get Alexa dot for $15. Bezos told shareholders in 2013 that Amazon sold its devices at break even because it wants to make more money when people use our devices, not when people buy our devices. Sounds great on theory. Didn't happen in reality. Um, there's money to be made in selling commodity tech products. Plenty of companies stay in business selling laptops, home office printers, Wi-Fi routers. But as Amazon faces a new era of cost discipline, you can't lose $10 billion a year at, or employ 10,000 employees on a non-profitable sector. And again, in 10 years, will someone come back and do it better? It's like Webvan back in 2000 would deliver groceries to your home. And 15 years later, you know, uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash and other people, uh, Instacart are delivering groceries and food to your home. And they just figured out the way to do it 10 years later. Still not making money. All those companies still have questionable futures. Market's not holding up today. That's kind of interesting because... Yesterday was such a positive reaction to Jerome Powell's, hey, we're not going to raise 75 basis points, or you don't don't expect us to raise 75 basis points at the next meeting. 
Um, the markets are pulling back a little bit today. Spending jumps as inflation moderates, creating a boost. The dollar is holding, which is interesting to note. For 20 plus years, the dollar was getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And then six months, it roars. Stocks are wavering today after lighter reading on Fed's key inflation gauge. So good news, inflation going down isn't being treated as good news to the stock market. But again, it's it's so we're in December. It's a goofy month, in my opinion. I think 2023, if we were to write predictions right now, what's going to happen in China? Unless Xi Jinping can fix the economy, his problems are going to get worse is probably the bottom line. China has erupted mass protests calling for an end to the country's restrictive COVID lockdowns. I saw some reporter trying to tie the World Cup feeds that were being sent to China are being edited. But before they got edited aggressively, the population of China was seeing the crowds in the Japan game of people weren't wearing masks in the stadiums. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Whole countries are leaving their country? Not whole countries. Um, large populations are leaving their countries to go to the World Cup to watch, and they're not wearing masks. Supposedly, China insisted at that point in time, no more group shots. Um, what we want is we want to see the coach. We want to see the players. We want to see the coach. We want to see the players. No more group shots. So I don't know if that's true or not. If the World Cup is causing a re- revolution in China based on crowd shots, but I thought that was an interesting tie. Disney store in Japan sells a Winnie the Pooh shirt with a China protest meme. That can't be good. I'm Rob Black. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Not the typical podcast or radio show. It's a show dedicated to retirement, show dedicated to show you what works and what doesn't work. I'm going to give you an example of that right now. Back in the 1990s, I was building customer portfolios based on demographics. I would go to any website that I can get information on. A very powerful one was uscensus.gov. And if you just look at the data, and I know this is going to sound like a, a weird thought out there. But if you ever saw A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe, it kind of showed his brain like having the numbers dance in his head and move left to right, left to right. You can do that at US uh, census.gov. And what I saw in those numbers was America's aging. And as we age, there's a fear that we're going to start taking money out of the stock market. There's a reality to that as well. The stock market could crash. But on the back of the stock market could crash. There's a fear that the Generation X, Generation Z, and the millennials have to know that they're going to have to work longer to retire, so they're going to have to save more. So they're going to make up the shortfall for the boomers. But in particular, uscensus.gov showed me the number of Americans who are hitting retirement every single day. And when you're at 10,000, 10,000, 10,000, 10,000, I'm like, these are all people who are going to be going on Medicare, Medicaid, and they're going to be taking more pills. 
when my mom was 60 years old, she probably took one or two pharmaceuticals. When my mom was 80 years old, she probably took seven or eight pharmaceuticals. Um, because of the aging population, companies like Merck, Pfizer, Lilly, I think they're smart plays for long-term patient investor for dividends. If you can get them when they're down 10, 20% from their all-time highs, I think that's a discount. They're not going to fall 80% like Zoom. They're not going to fall 80% like Peloton. They're not going to give that to you. There's a lot of like knowledge and mom and dad are taking more drugs. Soon that's going to be me. I'm 10 pounds too heavy. I need to lose that weight. Otherwise, I'm going to be popping pills but before I'm 60. Now, here is another piece of data that you can use. If you have an account at Fidelity, Vanguard, or TD Ameritrade, you can get research. And one of the biggest researchers out there is a company called Standard & Poor's. And you can get a Standard & Poor's sheet on Apple. And it may be seven, nine pages. You may get one on Intel that's 14 pages. You may get one on Merck that's two. It's research that they make available to you for free because you have an account with them. So I was pulling around uh, Standard Poor's yesterday. Now, I have a subscription to Standard Poor's. I don't have to go through the brokerage firm, which kind of is a little bit, um, how should we say, curated. So I get the uncurated version. And one of the reports that I was reading was on India, becoming the third largest economy by 2030, overtaking Japan and Germany. When I got into this industry, it was the United States, Germany, and Japan. Not anymore. China has jumped up. Um, and Japan went through a period of their demographics became older. And yes, that's good for pharmaceutical pharmaceutical companies, but it's bad for the workforce. Now, I'm going to say something I don't know a lot about here, but I'm going to say consider it cons, uh, conventional wisdom. Japan doesn't exactly have a lot of people coming from South America trying to get into their borders to say, hey, we want to live the American dream or the Japanese dream. That's one of the things I like about immigration is as our society retires, we are letting people cross our borders and become employable and do the jobs that many Americans don't want to do. And that's as far as I'm going to get the immigration angle because you're going to get mad at me. You're going to say, build that wall. I know you are. That's fine. I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to show you the financial angle of it. Getting workers to do jobs that are left open right now, there's 1.7 jobs open for every worker that's looking for a job. If we can get those filled, we'd have a more robust and healthy economy. We'd have more tax money. We would be able to help small businesses out better. It would solve a lot of problems. So what I'm telling you, India is going to become the third largest economy behind um, U.S. and China. It's worthy of note, overtaking Germany and Japan. Again, Germany used to be super important. I, I think they're kind of a number five player now. It shows you how 20 years things can change. India has the conditions in place for an economic boom fueled by offshoring investment in manufacturing, the energy transition and the country's advanced digital infrastructure. Um, 25 years ago, I was reading reports on India versus Japan. Um, sorry, India versus China. Which would you rather invest in? And I save all my research 
online. And I dug up that report not so long ago. And I was like, I made a case 25 years ago for India over China based on India's got better infrastructure, India's got better universities, and India has more stable political situation. India posted year-on-year growth of 6.3%. The United States is lucky to crack 2.5% in good times. Now, again, pandemics make it all very confusing when you have governments helping economies. But India's not unattractive. India recorded record expansion of 13.5% for April to June compared to a year ago. If I were to play... Oh, and here, here's a classic example of what I said 25 years ago that it, it, it's not going to get me canceled, but it's worthy of note. I think 25 years ago, I said, I think India's got like two languages. And I got the response like, no, it's more like 12,000. You don't know what you're talking about. Keep your mouth shut. Stay in your lane. I'm like, okay. Did not know that. So what I'm really admitting is I'm not going to go out and buy an Indian company. I'm not going to go out and buy a Y Pro. I'm not going to, because I don't know anything about the rupee. I don't know much about the politics. I don't know much about, you know, um, business conditions. Like, you know, you can't buy a house in Mexico. You can never own it outright. The government gets back in 99 years. Like there's things that you don't know about how foreign operations work. So I don't usually invest in foreign stocks. On occasion, I might go after Nestle. I don't own any Nestle, but an example of an international stock that I might own. N-E-S-T-L-E, Nestle makes the very best chocolate. Um, Farful. So S&P projections hinge on the continuation of India's trade and financial liberalization, labor market reform, as well as investment in India's infrastructure and human capital. I've told you that I don't really know a lot about India, right? If I were to be interested, I want someone who's got boots on the ground. So I'm going to go with a mutual fund. Or I'm going to go with an index fund. A mutual fund, if I feel comfortable, typically I'm just saying index fund. I think if India is growing at 5 6%, the index is going to grow at 5 6%. Not apples for bananas comparison. Um, not even apples for oranges. It's, it's, it's not a good comparison. I'm just trying to say the conditions are ripe for growth in stocks. A lot of things can go on. Government corruption, uh, death of capitalism. You get the idea. Um, there's a production-linked incentive scheme in India, the so-called PLIS, P-L-I-S, Production-Linked Incentive Scheme. It was introduced in 2020, offering incentives to both domestic and foreign investors in the form of tax rebates and license clearances, amongst other stimuluses. They're making it easy to do business. But you can give a lot of argument to Republicans and Democrats when you cut down on permitting or when you cut down on regulation, businesses can grow and thrive. They could obviously take advantage of scenarios, but they can grow and thrive. Um, the global recession, how long it goes on in 2023 could affect India, but I'm more interested in India now than I have been in a long time since Apple said we're moving some of our manufacturing to India. Morgan Stanley estimates that Indian manufacturing share of GDP will rise from 15.6% this year to 21% by 2031, um, which implies manufacturing revenue could increase threefold from $447 billion to $1.4 billion. India has low-cost labor, low-cost manufacturing, openness to investment, 
China's not open to investment anymore. And he has business-friendly policies. China doesn't. India's got a young demographic with strong uh, desire to spend and consume. Um, this could be a good decade for India as the United States is dealing with a decade of higher interest rates as China's dealing with fallout from their COVID-1 policies. COVID-0, I'm sorry. Oh, that's funny. I was thinking Coke Zero, Coke what? I, like, I didn't know what I was going with. Um, would I bet... My whole house on India? No. Do I think I can carve out three to five percent? Five is a lot. But they may make it into my model um, as we get closer and closer to a recession and see what it looks like. Oh, by the way, if we go into a recession, look for oil to drop to $60 a barrel. Just throwing that out there for you. There's no right answers. There's just compromise. There's no way of getting zero risk. There's just managing risk. But I like the demographics that I'm seeing out of India. Very similar, like I like the demographics in the 1990s that the aging of the baby boom are taking more pharmaceuticals. It wasn't just pharmaceuticals. It was um, nursing homes became great investments. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. I work with EP Wealth. If you need a referral to a financial planner, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Let's try to wrap up. A typical Santa Claus rally in stocks is threatened this year. We've had a big rally in October and November in the stock market threat of recession is out there for 2023, even though we don't see it yet on the horizon because the employment numbers are still quite strong. Investors have been conditioned that a Santa Claus rally is in the stock market heading into the year end. Positive seasonal trends boost the prospect for further gains, but they're outweighed this year by fundamentals. Right now, three bearish fundamental factors are dominating the markets. We've had a good October and November with the S&P 500 rallying up 13%. Those gains are double the median fourth quarter rally of 5.5% historically. Additionally, when the S&P 500 rallies above its 50-day and 100-day moving average, it typically looks technically vulnerable to a little bit of a sideways to down move, giving some of the recent big gains back. This year, there's a lot of risk at the end of the year. We have one more Fed meeting. But this week, we have the jobs report on Friday. We have an OPEC meeting this weekend. Virtually every developed market central bank is going to report over the next two weeks what their inflationary numbers are and are not. So will we get the Santa Claus rally where... Let's just hypothetically say for a second that I'm a Wall Street trader. I'm a big deal. I run a book of billions and billions and billions of dollars. Buy, 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 buy. Sell, 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 sell. Typically in December, what I'm doing is like I've booked my gains for the year. I say, sugar booger, uh, what are we doing for the holidays? And she goes, we're taking the kids to the coast. I'm like, okay, but I've already booked my gains. I'm done. So I'm going to hand the keys to the house, the trading house, the stock market to you, the average retail investor. And you're more positive than negative. Uh, My young radio cohort 
said the other day something along the lines of, um, do you like Tesla? Do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? Do you like this? Never saying, do you not like? He's looking for things to like. Most people are looking for things to like. The retail investors are looking for things to buy. It takes a weird mentality to say, um, do you think Tesla's too overvalued? Should we short it? it? Trust me, it's a, it's off the beaten path. I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form. But this year, the Santa Claus rally may not appear. And if it does, it may be a little bit of a false one because we're still waiting for earnings expectations to come down for 2023. There's too many people that are still too bullish and writing off a uh, recession as a... For the record, I want to name one of my children. And I thought it would be funny if the teacher said in the class, PFFFFT, black, and the kid would say here. So instead, I got danger and trouble, but was my third choice. Anyhow, and anyway, um, Santa Claus rally, if it does stick, we are still not out of the woods until earnings expectations come lower. You can hear that if you hear the interview that I did on Wednesday with briefing.com with Patrick O'Hare. He talks about earnings expectations needing to be lower. On Mondays, I interview on EP Wealth, their director of portfolio strategy, Adam Phillips. I put up on our website. Just so you know, I put up two things on the website recently on Adam Phillips. One was a 45-minute fourth quarter presentation for clients that they've never shared that information with the public. I got them to share it with the public, and next year I'm going to get them to share even more with the public. You can get a copy of it, or you can you know watch it on YouTube by going to Rob Black's show and look for Rob Black, Adam Phillips' fourth quarter recap or insight or something like that, informed investor outlook. So both those analysts have said we need to see earnings expectations come down. I say something slightly different. I say we're in all clear mode when we see job cuts, and we are starting to see the job cuts add up. So there we go. Santa Claus rally may or may not happen. And if it does, it may not last unless we see earnings come in better than expected or we see earnings expectations come down. Earnings expectations comes down, you look at valuations. Uh, Wall Street does the math and they'll say, let's shave another 5% off the markets. Wednesday has broken Stranger Things 4's viewership record on Netflix. Jenna Ortega. Um, it's done really well as Wednesday Adams. My youngest son watched the show. He binged it. Uh, Christina Ricci is on set. The Adams family is currently dominating the Netflix's streaming chart. Uh, Wednesday, the most macabre member of uh, the Adams family. Uh, to the point that it's beating... Stranger Things season four's debut. 335 million hours was dedicated to eyeballs in Stranger Things. 341 million hours in the first week of release for Wednesday. Now, here's the kicker. I'm like, I asked my son, I said, is it coming back for another season? And he goes, I don't know. Um, it has a cliffhanger. I'm like, oh, good. It has a cliffhanger. How expensive was it? Netflix is going to start running the numbers. Um, they have a history of canceling shows after one season, which isn't good. So there hasn't been a proper renewal. The streaming service continues to struggle with its pesky reputation of canceling shows too early. 
but they have a lot of information. And uh, Reed Hastings said earlier this week, I wish I would have done the advertising supported thing earlier because what's beautiful about it is my son has a profile and it has a sage as 12. So they know a 12 year old boy watched seven straight hours. If they were to feed ads in that 12 year old boy, um, it's probably be for like Logan Paul's or Jake Paul's um, energy drink. It's probably going to be for things like Madden Xbox virtual points. They know who's watching ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox doesn't know specifically who's watching its best guesses. So congratulations to Netflix. They have a little bit of a hit on their hands. Now they have to decide if they want to bring Tim Burton and his weird morbid mind back for another two seasons, one season, or what do we get out of Wednesday? We'll find out sometime soon, I would bet. It's doing really, really well on the charts. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.